All right. Happy New Year, everybody. Mm, yeah. Okay. So let's recap my football picks from last week. Let's jump right into it because I'm not doing a podcast today. I'm going to do some some football very quickly. And then, as promised, I'm going to play you episode two of Slamcast, going all the way back to 2010. As you may be able to tell, I have a cold. I'm getting over it, but I woke up on Christmas morning with a sore throat, and then we had a lousy, well, those of us who were sick had a lousy time down south because we were sick the whole time, and it was just exhausting, and uh, nobody slept, and we're coughing and feeling like garbage the whole time. So, yeah. Uh, so I'm just getting over that cold and uh, just started a new job Thursday and ended the last job on Tuesday. So, yeah, it's a busy week. Went from uh, one year to the next, jumped into a new decade. <laughs> was that was that one job on Monday and Tuesday? Was that a new job Thursday and Friday? Was in North Carolina a week ago, feeling much worse. And uh, now we're home relaxing. So that's good. Anyway, uh, yeah, and then had a, had, a, had a reasonable New Year's Day. I guess it was all right. Um, not enough time to relax, though. All right, but who cares? So let's talk about my football picks, okay? How did we do last week? My, uh, oh, boy. I don't think I did very well. Let me look. Let me see. Week, uh, the final week of the NFL regular season has come and gone. Uh, Dolphins, Patriots, boy, oh, boy, I was wrong on that one. Uh, the Jets beat the Bills. I was wrong on that one. The Bengals beat the Browns. I was wrong on that one. Green Bay wins. Okay, so I'm one and three. Chargers win, so I'm two and three. Bears beat the Vikings, so I'm two and four. Falcons over the Buccaneers, so I'm two and five. Saints over the Panthers, so I'm three and five. Dallas uh, wins, so I'm four and five. Uh, what what else? Broncos. That makes me five and five. Rams win over the Cardinals. That makes me six and five. The Eagles beat the Giants. I'm seven and five. The Jaguars win, so I'm seven and six. And the Ravens win. So what does that make me? Eight and six. Titans, Texans, 49ers, Seahawks. I didn't pick those games. What is wrong with me? Okay, so whatever. So there, there it was. That's that's what I did for last week. How did I? I feel like I picked those games. This is what I have written down, though, and I'm not going back to listen to the podcast because who cares? Who cares? Okay. This week, this is going to be easy. There's only a few weeks of picking games left because now that the regular season is over, and uh, we're into the wild card wild card weekend begins in just a few minutes here on Saturday, January fourth. <laughs> Uh, let's see. You've got the Titans and Patriots, Bills and Texans today. You've got Vikings at Saints and Seahawks at Eagles. I'm completely stuffed up. My nose is completely stuffed up. So I'm going to, I'm going to hurry up and wrap this up and get you to Slamcast episode two, the second and final episode ever of Slamcast and my last chance to uh, take a week off, take a break and not have to do anything. All right. Titans, Patriots. I'm always going to pick the Patriots. Uh, and the Titans have already beaten the Patriots this year. Uh, that's the good news. The Patriots and Titans played, so yeah, who knows? Maybe they've learned a thing or two, and they can come back later tonight and win. 
Anyways, the Patriots, after a humiliating loss to the Dolphins and as such getting booted from the bye week uh, and getting a week off, now they have to play in the wild card game against the Titans. Patriots are going to win. Bills, Texans, sorry, I think the Texans are going to win that one. Vikings, Saints, I'm going to go with the Saints. Seahawks and Eagles, nobody from the NFC East deserves to even be in the playoffs. Even the Eagles, uh, Seahawks are better. Seahawks are going to win. So Seahawks, Saints. Texans and Patriots. Then next week, you've got the divisional rounds. San Francisco, the Ravens, the Chiefs, the Packers are all waiting to see who they play from this week's game. Then the following weekend, on Sunday, January 19th, we'll have the AFC Championship and the NFC Championship. Then the Pro Bowl, who cares? Then, I can't believe it's Sunday, February 2nd. That's just, what, four weeks from today, or four weeks from tomorrow. The Super Bowl. Man, oh man, I'm still... I said I said Patriots-Packers. I think I feel like that's a matchup that was supposed to happen a number of different times in the past, even going back to the, the Brett Favre years. A Favre-Brady Super Bowl never happened. And uh, never will. But perhaps an Aaron Rodgers-Tom Brady Super Bowl. And uh, yeah, neither one of those teams have been looking at their best this year, but I still think that there's... Uh, They've, they've got, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Should have, what, what's my opinion versus these guys who've been paid millions of dollars? They're, they're, they're wrong just as much as I am, if not more so. So, I mean, who cares? Pit, Packers, Patriots. There you go. Super Bowl Sunday, February 2nd. We'll see what happens. Okay. Those are my picks. We're only, you know, next. There's four games this week, four games next week, two games the following week, and then the Super Bowl. So, not a lot of football left to, uh, to, be, to be talking about which I think some of you are happy about that, to not hear this music anymore and not hear me make these idiotic football picks. Okay, is that it? Is that enough? That's enough. Six minutes. Here I am. <laughs> oh, man, I'm hanging, out in, I'm hanging out in the bathroom. This is the first ever podcast broadcast coming to you from the bathroom. <laughs> because I have somebody, I have a little one in the bathtub, and <laughs> she needed company, so here I am. So I thought, why not entertain her with the Birthday Boy podcast while she's having a bath so she's not lonely. And she's giving me the stink eye. Big time stink eye. All right. That's it. Uh, So, yeah, here comes Slamcast episode two. I don't remember episode two. I haven't listened to it probably since 2010. Who knows what I say in it? Uh, I'm sure I sound like an idiot. I'm sure I sound like this, too, because my voice has obviously changed in the last decade. Uh, so yeah, that's it. The 20s are underway. Who knows what the year holds for the Birthday Boy podcast. Hopefully, big things. Uh, I don't know when the next podcast will be. Like I said, there's a new job. And, uh, I, you know, I don't know. We'll see. The podcast will happen when it happens. That's the best I can give you right now. Okay, everybody. Have a great new year. Enjoy the whatever, the thing. The thing that you do. Enjoy it. Quiet. Quiet, you. That cough in my presence. I'm trying to record a podcast. That's better. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's it. Enjoy football. Enjoy Slamcast episode two. And happy new year. Yeah. Okay. Later. Gators.
fake audience how are you we did not do a show last week because i felt that there was nothing to talk about at all except for i guess two main things one main thing one and a half big things that happened last week to me would be the first one would be that the nxt rookies are no longer called the nxt rookies but they are called nexus which is a fantastic name as far as I'm concerned. Uh, it's a lot better than NXTers or NXT rookies or the guys from NXT Season 1. Uh, that's a great name as far as I can tell. They, nobody's ever used it before, so uh, fantastic. And the consensus, the consensus on the old net is that it's a great name. I absolutely think it's a great name. And especially in this day and age, coming up with an original name for a group is... Uh, you know, I guess I guess it's hard to do. I don't know, whatever. But uh, nevertheless, the Nexus, I love it. That's great. What I don't love is their horrible theme song. For all of the good that they have done, or evil that they have done, for the impact that they have made. Let's say that for the Im- for all of the impact that they have made, and for all they've done in the last month or so. To be given that song, uh, yeah, that's that's awful. It's it's like just a generic butt metal alt whatever you call it that they seem to use for every single pay per view, and every you know what's the difference between the NXT theme song and the SmackDown theme song or the Superstars theme song? The only I I don't compare it to the Raw theme song because that's just beyond bad. Just like everything that that horrible band that I won't even mention uh, does. I mean, you you talk about butt butt rock. At least I don't know if that's an actual term, but that's what a friend of mine used in college to describe certain <laughs> certain elements or certain categories of rock music that were just so abysmally, awfully bad. And uh, I'm gonna have to go with that uh, that term, butt rock. That's that's what you can describe much of the generic theme music. Not so much the wrestlers' theme music, but the theme music that they that they license from actual bands for pay-per-views and for shows and uh, and all that stuff, and and the Nexus theme song that's gots to go. Uh, I mean that 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 can't stay around for long. They have to uh, use that uh, in the interim while they find somebody in-house or otherwise that can put together a you know a respectable theme song that actually goes along with with the Nexus. And uh, and all the stuff that they're doing because that, that that's a terrible terrible song. I can't even. That's awful. Just awful. So that happened last week. Nexus is formed officially. That's the name. Vince McMahon comes out as I guess you could call him the host of Raw for the evening because they didn't have a celebrity guest host or anything like that. Makes himself the special enforcer, special referee for the match, the big uh, main event at the end of the night. Yada, yada, yada. What was the match? I don't even remember. Was it a tag team match? Was it just Cena against Sheamus? I can't even remember. I can't remember. Once Raw is over, I can't remember what happened. I, I could, I'm in front of a computer. I could very easily go and 
Actually, let me look now. I I, I got to know. I got to remember. It was Cena. This was June. Yeah, okay, it was. All right, good enough. Cena and Sheamus in one of their uh, many, many, many classics. You know, this is like Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels all over again. Austin and Rock. I am definitely not being sarcastic. So anyways, Vince McMahon, match ends. And See, I keep wanting to call them the NXT guys, but they're the Nexus. They are the Nexus. I've got to remember that. So the Nexus comes out. And we all are thinking, maybe maybe not all of us, maybe some of us are just so smart that we knew everything that was going to happen, as so many of the people on the internet do. They just know everything, at least after the fact. They knew that was going to happen. I knew that was going to happen. I didn't know what was going to happen. I assumed that this was going to go down the road that it always seems to go, where Vince McMahon is mysteriously behind uh, some evil, for, you know, when he was the higher power back in 1999 and, and everything since then that he seems to be behind when, when evil and nefarious things are afoot in the WWE. It's always Vince McMahon, the mastermind, the evil genius. So naturally we thought, okay, here's these young rookies coming in and uh, trying to take over just like the NWO and just like uh, all the other groups and factions that have come along in the long storied history of wrestling. And in... Uh, In not-so-surprising fashion, Vince McMahon is going to reveal that he's been funding these guys and he's been giving them their contracts and he's the mysterious uh, general manager emailing rules and stipulations and things to Michael Cole. And, you know, okay, great, here we go. Same old, same old. And then to have the NXT, I can't call it, to have the Nexus, uh, fake out Vince McMahon and they're all smiles and giggles and happy and oh yep we fooled you guys and then to find out no actually we fooled you guys and we fooled you you evil genius Vincent Kennedy McMahon you just got one-upped by the young up-and-coming guys in the Nexus and uh and then to watch the beatdown that ensued is who uh, who doesn't love watching Vince McMahon get beaten up Ever since the days of Stone Cold Steve Austin, when that first re- when he first really started uh, taking one for the team, actually uh, as far back as uh, Ric Flair, you remember Ric Flair's debut? Probably not. 1991. Uh, I think didn't Flair uh, nail Vince McMahon in the back with a steel chair? That was unprecedented at the time, and it didn't happen. I mean, that was the first time it happened, and that was the last time it happened until I don't know 1997, 1996 maybe. I would say 1997. I think the next uh, physical altercation, I'm I'm sure I'm forgetting one. I'm sure I'm forgetting one, but uh, at least that I can really remember would have been, um, yeah, would have been Bret Hart knocking down Vince McMahon in that infamous, uh, you know, with with half a steel cage behind him and then that whole tirade. And then, of course, Stone Cold Steve Austin giving him a stunner and going on to just beat the living crap out of Vince McMahon for the next uh, three, four years or so. And uh, nobody beat up Vince McMahon like Stone Cold Steve Austin. Nobody did. Uh, Randy Orton's punt to the head last year was the best uh, thing that... <laughs> the, the best act of physical violence that had happened to Mr. McMahon since uh, since Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I know there were a lot of funny things that the, the new and... Um, the newer and milder DX did uh, to McMahon in, I guess, 2006. Uh, you know, 
the limousine pranks and everything else, but not. I don't know if they really gave him a beatdown. I don't know. I mean, Shawn Michaels has super kicked him before, and that was that was always great. But yeah, Randy Orton, the punt to the head, Stone Cold Steve Austin's numerous beatdown, a Shawn Michaels super kick here and there, and then the uh, the end. I can't say it. I can't say Nexus. Wow. Well, the Nexus beatdown, Wade Barrett's big monster move that he does that I don't know the name of. Uh, because I'm ill-prepared, and Justin Gabriel's 450 splash. That was awesome. Uh, I left out Brett the Hitman Hart's WrestleMania beating of Vince McMahon because I'm kind of in the same boat that a lot of people are in, that it just kind of went on and on and on. I still laughed (laughs) in a sick sort of way because, again, Vince McMahon getting beat up is just priceless. But at at the same time, yeah, I mean, after, what is it, 18 of those chair shots – I, you know, I guess I kind of felt, I don't know if I felt bad for Vince McMahon, but I just felt bad for uh, all parties involved because this really just, you know, it should have been done differently, I guess. Especially considering, you know, Bret Hart obviously is limited in the ring, so he's got to use a steel chair, but to have the whole family out there just, uh, you know, like a 30-on-one beating <laughs> of a 65-year-old man, uh, it's still, that's all in good fun. McMahon's alive and well. He's fine. Well, he was until last week anyways. So that's what happened on Monday Night Raw. What else? Hold on here. Okay. That's what happened last week. That was pretty much, as far as I can tell, that was the big the big thing of last week is Vince McMahon gets uh, kind of beaten at his own game by the Nexus. Beaten down. Oh, fatal four-way. I don't know. Okay. Do I need to go at this point? Do I really need to go over results of the Fatal Four Way pay per view? I don't think that I do. Um, was it good? I guess Evan Bourne and Chris Jericho was worth watching, and you know, there's that's so stupid. What, what do you? Why do we order pay per views? Do you need to order pay per view? The thing comes out on DVD in a month for like half the price that it costs to watch it on pay per view. Is it that crucial? Does does so much happen live on these pay per views? That it's worth like what is it forty? It's almost fifty dollars now, isn't it? If it's less than fifty dollars, correct me. Slamcast at yahoo dot com. Um, but I think it's right around fifty dollars. For what? What do you get? Should I should I read the results of the? You know, it's July first. Do I need to read the results of the uh, of the Fatal Four Way pay per view? I don't think it's even on here anymore. You know, Jack Swagger lost. Uh, who won? Rey Mysterio is a new champion. Sheamus is a new champion. Uh, Fatal Four Way Report. Yeah. Evan Bourne, Chris Jericho had a match that was quite good by all accounts. None of the main events. I'm reading star ratings. Uh, what else can you go by? Everybody loves it. You got to have the star ratings. Love the star ratings. That's. Uh, Kofi Kingston, Drew McIntyre, who's ever going to – you're not going to remember that. You wouldn't. You probably don't even remember that now. Me telling you is probably the reminder, oh, really? That match happened? I didn't know that. Or I forgot about that because it's forgettable. Who cares? And uh, once Drew McIntyre gets his, gets his green card back or um, updated or whatever, that match is going to take place probably six times between now and, let's say, November 1st on SmackDown. I I guarantee you. If Drew McIntyre is back, that is. Uh, so, who cares? 
Fatal Four Way. Why is there a pay per view based on Fatal Four Ways? Are these matches, you know, I don't know. They they don't do them as much as they did maybe six, seven, eight years ago. But who cares? Jack Swagger, Big Show, Rey Mysterio, CM Punk. You know, this seems seemed like it was just kind of an okay so-so match. Miz versus our truth. Who won? The Miz. All right. Uh, Heart Dynasty and the Usos. That'll happen. That'll happen 15 times on Raw between now and the end of the year. <laughs> if there are 15 weeks left in the year, which there are more than that, that match will happen probably 15 times. So good, good job. You ordered. You spent 40 bucks to see a match that they're going to give you for free. And the only match that seemed to be really the standout match, I guess that was like an impromptu match, was Evan Bourne and Chris Jericho. Hey, guess what match they had for free the next night on Raw? Hmm, wow, that never happens. They never have a pay-per-view and then give away the exact same match and usually just as good, if not better, the next night on Raw. That never happens. Except every single month when they have a pay-per-view and the next night you get a good match from the pay-per-view for free on Raw. Uh, so, you know, and that's why these pay-per-views are not worth ordering anymore because the WWE realized there's a certain core group of people that are going to order these pay-per-views no matter what. Hey, I was, I was that core group of people back when I was like uh, 13, 14, 15 years old, middle school, high school, and uh, figured out... <laughs> And it wasn't that hard at the time, and it's probably even easier now if you figure out your parents' cable box password, um, which, not that I would, you can't sneak a pay-per-view because that's going to show up in the cable bill, but still, when I was 13, 14, 15, 16 years old, ordering pay-per-views, I'll be honest with you, that wasn't my money. That was that was going on my parents' cable bill, and uh, I had a, I delivered newspapers, so it all, you know, they they believe me we it all, it all evened out but still nevertheless kids order these pay-per-views it's the same core group kids and you know the the loyal 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 fans that are just going to order everything and they're going to buy all the merchandise and they're going to watch every episode of everything because that's just what they do and it doesn't matter if the quality of the pay-per-view is good or not and it doesn't matter i guess either if it ends like a half an hour or before it's supposed to go off the air which apparently this fatal four-way did despite the fact that they added what like one two how many matches were added last minute? At least two. I think the uh, the Evan Bourne and Jericho match was added, and was this? Oh, there, there was a fatal four way for the Divas title. Eve, Gail, Kim, Maurice, Alicia Fox, new Divas champion Alicia Fox. Okay, that happened too. Must have missed that. Don't know how. Anyways, the pay per views. You know, if it's not Royal Rumble and if it's not WrestleMania, it's not a pay per view that I'm ever going to order. Even if it's something good like a SummerSlam or a Survivor Series or one of these, there are a lot of intriguing matches. There's a lot of intriguing pay-per-views that look good. But what's the point? I'm going to spend 45 or 50 bucks on a pay-per-view that's going to come out a month later on DVD that either A, I can get it probably on sale for like $16.99 at Best Buy, or B, and this is the better one, I can put it in my queue on Netflix and watch it anytime I want to, and I don't have to buy the DVD. There's so many other options why are you why why would you spend this kind of money on pay? even you know even for me it was a little justified back in the 90s we didn't have there were, the early 90s there was no internet there was no netflix there were, you know you waited for the vhs tape to come out maybe a month later i doubt it usually more like 2 or 3 months later it seemed i remember i think it was the middle of november that the summerslam vhs came out in 1992 i had been dying to see 
Bret Hart and Davy Boy Smith and Macho Man and Ultimate Warrior. And I think I had to wait about two or three months to see it. So it was a little different back then. If you missed the pay-per-view, uh, you're going to be – and they didn't replay them every night of the week, 24 hours a day for the next week after it. So if you missed the pay-per-view and if you didn't order the pay-per-view replay that immediately followed it, that was it. You were done. You missed it. You missed the whole thing. I think for WrestleMania, like maybe in 1994, 95, they started doing the uh, the encore presentation one time. I think maybe the Tuesday night following the pay-per-view. They had like the special hosted by Rowdy Roddy Piper, WrestleMania 11. We'll relive it all again. Definitely worth reliving WrestleMania 11 over and over again. That Allied Powers Blues Brothers tag team match is uh, really a, a masterpiece of, of all time. Anyways, I am digressing by a huge, huge amount here. And uh, what was I originally talking about? The stupid Fatal 4-Way pay-per-view that nobody cares about that will be forgotten. Everything that happened on it, uh, you know, some title changes. Okay, fine. Um, stupid. I don't see the point in Rey Mysterio having the title. I don't know why they took it away from Jack Swagger so quickly. I think he's doing a fine job. I think he's... He's boringly entertaining or entertainingly boring because he's, he's obviously coming out and deliberately going on and on and on of all of his accomplishments. He's got these like 20-minute interviews that just go on and on. And yet at the same time, even though it's, uh, it's as long-winded as a Triple H interview or a Randy Orton interview, any of those guys who go on and on and on as well, it's... There's something about it that just, I think because the fans, he's getting under everyone's skin so badly, and he knows that he's going on and on, and he's doing that. Part of that is uh, deliberately going on and on just for the sake of doing it. Whereas Triple H and Randy Orton and these guys just talk so slowly and go on and on, and 20 minutes later they've said nothing at all. And that's 20 minutes, 30 minutes of my life that I can't get back. I find Jack Swagger's interviews, promos, whatever you want to call them, to be different. Like I said, they're entertainingly boring, or they're boringly entertaining. And I don't know, I don't know why they took the title off him and put it on Rey Mysterio, because that's, that's pointless. That does nothing for anyone. Uh, maybe, I, I don't know. It's, they're not going to, the, when are they going to the Sci-Fi Channel? October? November? I guess I can see them doing that then, maybe having Swagger lose the title at SummerSlam to Rey Mysterio or Big Show or somebody. So that, you know, hey, we're on the new network. Come see our champion, Rey Mysterio. He loves the kids. He loves the babies. He high fives and hugs everyone and gives them masks. He could buy his masks. $30 at the concession stand. I don't know. You know, being sort of the poster child of, of SmackDown and, and I'm sure Undertaker will come back sometime. I don't know. Maybe in the fall. Be nice to have him back in time for Halloween. Good guy to have around Halloween that time, don't you think? Undertaker, figure out the mystery of who took him off life support or whatever, <laughs> whatever happened, whatever caused him to go into a vegetative state. I mean, he is a zombie that sleeps in a coffin, so it's not like I mean, did Kane wait around to see? Maybe he was just napping, mid afternoon nap. Maybe he's fine. Who knows? But anyways, who cares? Uh, so. That seems silly. Rey Mysterio is the champion. Cena, I guess I can kind of understand why they would, you know, the Nexus cost him the title. So now 
Now it's bigger than titles. It's personal now, and he's going to go after the Nexus guys, I'm sure. Um, all right, so that's that's what happened last week. A fatal four-way pay-per-view that was not worth uh, $5, let alone $45 or whatever it's whatever it is, uh, whatever these pay-per-views are costing this day. I only know what WrestleMania costs because that's the only pay-per-view that I order. And I don't even order that every year. We, we switch. My friends and I, we switch back and forth. Same with the Royal Rumble. And, uh, you know, I don't I, Royal Rumble's worth seeing, although, you know, a lot of people have really overrated this year's Royal Rumble. I'm not going to get into this, but I, I watched it. I saved it on my DVR for a week. I probably watched it four or five times because I thought I must be missing something. Everybody's saying that this is one of their top five Royal Rumbles ever. This is one of the best Royal Rumbles. I watched it five times, and it got it got worse every time I watched. It got it was so boring. It dragged in so many spots. I don't know what you were watching. This is a, it was a terrible Royal Rumble. Shawn Michaels uh, getting eliminated in the way that he did was very interesting i guess and you know had a lot of people going oh my god was he supposed to i think he was supposed to grab the rope which obviously he wasn't because that was all part of the uh desperately trying to face the undertaker storyline uh and and edge's big uh surprise return uh which was a surprise to i would say probably zero people but it was still cool to see him come back so that that was exciting cm punk's uh it's clobbering time and all the things that he was doing uh getting on the mic and and preaching Preaching the gospel of straight edge in, be- in between eliminations was just classic. I just loved it, and that was it. But anyways, uh, outside of that, and I thought the, the Royal Rumble before it in 2009 was just a big mess. Too many guys. I think they had 16 guys in the ring at one point. I really think that if they watched, I think, Triple H's entrance, right before he eliminates Brian Kendrick, I believe there were 16 guys, which is a record, and it was just a mess, and who cares? And I think uh, 2008, 2007 were the last two really uh, – Really good, exciting Royal Rumbles, and uh, hopefully 2011 will uh, will be different. May I make a prediction? I I still have to get to Raw from this past week. That's the whole point. I'm looking at the results. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to predict. I don't think I'm going out on a limb here either. I'm going to predict. Boy, you know, maybe I, maybe I won't predict anything. I was going to predict Wade Barrett wins the Royal Rumble. You know, maybe I should stick with that. I'm going to predict one of two things, and this is a cop-out because I'm predicting one thing and then I'm going to predict something completely different. So it can only be one of the two things. Uh, my prediction was going to be Wade Barrett wins the Royal Rumble and uh, whatever happens after that. Main event, championship, blah, blah, blah. Next, uh, Really, I, I see this guy being like a humongous, humongous star. That's my opinion. Um, Daniel Bryan, maybe. <laughs> Depending on what happens with him, I'm sure he'll be back probably in September, October. But I see Wade Barrett uh, outside of this also green card stuff. I think he'll be a humongous, humongous star. And uh, he's got the goods. I see that happening. Either Wade Barrett will win the 2011 Royal Rumble or I see John Cena winning the 2011 Royal Rumble, which sucks. But I also see the WWE wanting Cena to just hold every record possible. And I think that's half of the reason why Sheamus is the champion. So Cena can get it back at like SummerSlam or something. He'll go on to lose it whenever in the fall. And that's the only reason why I'm kind of going back on my Wade Barrett will win the Royal Rumble thing. Because I think Wade Barrett will become champion before the end of this year. That's, he's got his championship shot. 
maybe at SummerSlam, maybe at Survivor Series, maybe somewhere in between, maybe on an edition of Monday Night Raw that's, uh, you know, a sweeps, maybe a, like during sweeps or the time that they really want to get get rolling, get a, get the ball rolling and get people interested and in tuning in uh, maybe in September, October, whatever they, they consider the, the fall season return or whatever. I see Wade Barrett cashing in that guaranteed title shot because you can't forget that. He's going to have to have cashed that shot in before the the Royal Rumble in order for him to win the Royal Rumble. Which is why, again, I'm going back on my prediction of Wade Barrett winning the Royal Rumble because I see him winning the championship from Cena sometime between now and, say, Survivor Series. I see Cena winning the Royal Rumble and then beating Wade Barrett for the championship at WrestleMania. I think that's because they Stone Cold Steve Austin has won three Royal Rumbles. Shawn Michaels and Hulk Hogan have won two Royal Rumbles. John Cena is their guy. He's the main dude, and I see him winning probably, <laughs> and I hate to say this, but I see John Cena winning like four Royal Rumbles before it's all said and done because I think they want him to have surpassed Hogan's record, surpassed Shawn Michaels' record, surpassed Stone Cold's record of three Royal Rumble wins. He already has one, I think, 2011. Uh, I think he would have won the Royal Rumble last year if they hadn't tried to really hype up Edge's big return. I think had Edge not been injured last summer, I think Cena would have absolutely won this Royal Rumble, but I know they wanted to take things a different way. And that's that's why Cena didn't win the uh, the 2010 Royal Rumble. I, that's the only reason, as far as I'm concerned, why he didn't win the 2010 Royal Rumble is because Edge came back and they wanted to try and make him a a major uh, a major good guy and and the opponent for Jericho that didn't work out and now he's back to the old crazy edge that uh, we all know and love this year will be different this year okay i'm completely going back wade barrett's not going to win this royal rumble cena is going to win the royal rumble and then beat wade barrett for the title at wrestlemania that's my prediction mark it down baby july 1st 2010 hopkins predicts cena wins the royal rumble wins back championship for the I don't even know, what is he, seven-time champion? So for the eighth time, for the ninth time, the tenth time, they're going to give him, ultimately Cena will have more titles than Ric Flair, he'll have more Royal Rumble wins than Stone Cold Steve Austin, he'll have more everything than everyone. Because I I don't see, I I think he's a man of his word. He's not going to do the... uh, you know, the, the go the route of the other guys where he's he's going to do movies and television and leave WWE. I think even at a, at a part-time basis at best in like 10 years from now, he's still going to be there. He's still going to be the top guy. I think this is a completely different story than Hogan and Cena, or Hogan and Austin, uh, and it's more like somewhere between Hulk Hogan slash Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels, where... He'll cut back a little bit, but he'll always be around, but he'll be more on the level of the Austin Hogan rock type of thing. And also at some point I think they'll they'll he'll be he'll be an evil John Cena. You'll see that happen. Give it like five or six years tops, but it'll happen. Who knows? Maybe it'll happen sooner than later, but I highly doubt it cuz uh, you know, it's PG, the merchandise and everything. But once that dries up, just like the 80s, 90s, when they went to the uh, went the different route, went from PG to PG-13, and then uh, even beyond that in some regards, that'll happen again, and Cena will be the top evildoer in the company, the top heel, if I may use a word that I hate using. So I'm going to take a quick break because I need to, and we'll come back. That's my prediction as I digressed yet again of what's going to happen at the Royal Rumble. Cena will win it. Cena will beat Wade Barrett at WrestleMania next year. 
that will happen. And before the year is out, Wade Barrett will be the WWE champion. That is a that is absolutely going to happen. But I would like to talk about this week's Monday Night Raw and a few other things that I have written down here. Daniel Bryan, I didn't get to talk about last week. Martha Hart's lawsuit. What do I have? Raw recap. These are my notes. Oh, my God. Well, I've got terrible notes, ladies and gentlemen, but I will come back and we will have more Slamcast in just a moment. You're listening to Slamcast. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back to Slamcast. I am your host, John B. Hopkins. And today's date is July 1st, 2010. What was I going to talk about? Oh, I was going to talk about Monday Night Raw. Got to get to Raw. Got to talk about Raw. Um, let's do a quick a quick Raw recap. Uh, oh, man. All right. <laughs> the first... Oh, you talk about awful. How about the beginning of Monday Night Raw? The whole thing between Cena and Sheamus? Uh, man, oh man, oh man. Jokes. Cena's jokes. I don't know if Cena's coming up with those. I don't know if some 12-year-old kid is coming up with those, but that's, that is a new kind of awful as far as John Cena on the microphone. That was just, that was tough to watch. That was cringe-inducing. And I was watching that with my wife, too. And we just, both of us, just, oh, it's like nails on a chalkboard. Just awful. What was it? Candy pants, such and such at Gmail and doing the kid and play. I mean, what what are you doing? What are you doing? The company is getting, like, destroyed by these guys, these Nexus guys. The chairman has been beat up and taken out. Bret Hart, a legend. The former general manager was run over, smashed around in a limousine the week before that. They cost you your championship at the pay-per-view eight days ago. And you're talking about your email is candy pants and, oh, oh, you internet. Oh, I, what was he saying? What was he saying? I don't remember. But he was, he's like, oh, damn you, internet. The bane of my existence or some such nonsense. Nothing was funny. The jar of mayonnaise Philly cream cheese, all those things that he was calling Seamus. Okay, yeah, that was that's okay. Jar of mayonnaise, I get it. It's old now. The Philly cream cheese, all right. But I mean, compared to what he ended up saying uh, later on as his jokes, that was like you know that was like watching uh, Chris Rock and Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, I know what he was talking about. This is the worst thing since my mom canceled my Warcraft subscription or something. Like, what are you doing? What are you talking about? I heard to talk about your, I mean, obviously that, whatever. I'm not going to get into how many different ways that doesn't make sense and is just the stupidest comment to make. And, you know, okay, so you're trying to get the 13-year-old kids that play Warcraft to like you more? I don't know. I, I know one guy who doesn't like you more after uh, Monday night, and uh, he happens to be sitting here. Anyways, that was terrible. He's not funny. He never has been. Maybe he is. He Cena seems like he's probably a pretty funny guy in real life. He seems like a real good dude, just a you know a good guy to hang out with. Probably a solid a solid bro to all of his friends and his family and and everything else. He seems like a, a pretty stand up guy. But man, oh man, the dude is just not funny. 
He's just not funny. And I know he's he's good. The, the thing that Cena does best, and this is what gets the crowd fired up and it gets the kids fired up, is when he just starts to lose it and he's, you know, yelling and screaming and he's getting puppet. You know, it's like Hulk, Hulkamania type thing. If I may go back to Hulkamania, and I'm sure Cena himself is probably sick of getting the Hulk Hogan comparisons. But you cannot ignore the fact that they are very, very similar and that, uh, you know, Cena mania is very much like Hulkamania. The kids, he's he's amped up. He's like a larger than life. He's a superhero. He can take on anybody and uh, always wins the title and wins the big match and whatever. Um, But, you know, that's what he does best. He gets amped up and he gets fired up and he's screaming and yelling and the fans are behind. When he does this, these comedy bits it's just awful it's just awful and then the, the only thing worse than when he's doing the the extreme comedy is when he's trying to do the extreme drama and it's you know he's starting to use those acting techniques that he probably picked up in uh in a you know a couple of uh classes that he took and you know his voice starts trembling and he's just I'm so mad i'm gonna get you and it's just awful it's just awful it really is so but they're both you know Get get amped up, Cena. Get fired up. Do your thing. Run out there and scream and you know yell and get the crowd behind you. But just you know the comedy has got to uh, that's got to come to an end, or or it has to severely improve sometime in the very very near future. So that was done. Uh, Let me. Uh, it's gonna be a cage match. Okay, great. That's super. Uh, Uso partner in a scene never really happened. There was a beat down. Vladimir Kozlov and Santana Miella. Kozlov wins. calls Kali a big stupid twat, tired of him and sick of him, and Nexus came out right now, Kali with an elbow, and so <laughs> Kali just stands there, uh, if I may quote this recap that I'm reading of Raw on 411 Wrestling that was done by Ronnie Lafianza, uh, to quote Kali, well I can't find it, stands there looking like an idiot, which he kind of always does, but Either that or he's dancing and doing something that also makes him look like an idiot, but he's not standing there. He's dancing like an idiot, but he's not standing like an idiot. Or he's wrestling like an idiot, or if you want to call that wrestling. Anyways, oh, Rob Zombie's out. He's the host of Raw, says some stuff. I liked the continuity with Edge showing up and talking about how he dumped his theme song all those years ago. I was wondering if they were going to reference that or mention that because probably – there's so many wrestling fans that were not watching in 2001 and 2002 and 2003 when Edge was using that Rob Zombie theme song. So it was, to me, hey, one of one of the small pleasures in life. I like continuity in anything, even in wrestling, which rarely is used and it's often thrown out the window. But every now and then they reference something that happened years and years ago, and it's called it's continuity, and I just love it. Anyways. Okay, so basically the main thing, they established the eight-man tag. Sheamus beats Mark Henry. Nobody cares. The Nexus uh, reminds us that if anyone touches them, they'll be suspended as per the mysterious, mysterious, mysterious general manager. So nobody can t- touch the Nexus. So that's well established. And obviously there's uh, more than just a bit of foreshadowing in that thing, of course. Next up. This is really, uh, really cool. Jerry Lawler brings out Ricky the Dragon Steamboat 
and a bunch of guys, legends, Arn Anderson, Dean Malenko, Mike Rotunda, a.k.a. IRS, and Doc Hendricks. <laughs> I mean, Michael P.S. Hayes. They all give him uh, your great, what an honor, what a career. We love you. You're the best. And congrats on the DVD. And I think we're all pretty well aware of where this is going at this point. But before we get there, can I just say, uh, Michael Hayes is an idiot. He really is. I, you know, he he doesn't have a lot going for him uh, as far as his reputation. You know, uh, I think we can still remember it was just two years ago, right? Two years ago in Orlando, that whole, the, uh, the, the, racial uh incident i guess that took place at a at a bar they were doing karaoke and he was throwing out all kinds of horrible words and you know to mark henry and to other guys and uh, just silliness and and you know i i guess this has uh been re- was revealed shortly after that that that's kind of a uh, a normal pattern of behavior with michael hayes or doc Hendricks, as i still refer to him because i had never even heard of the guy until not that that matters to anybody but i i didn't know that he was uh the Freebirds and michael had in there know any of that stuff because i grew up it was either wwf or to a lesser extent wcw he was a, not a part of wwf at all goof he was kind of you know jerry the king waller was having matches against bret hart a lot so they needed uh another you know snarky uh sarcastic little uh guy to, to do color commentary and that was doc hendrick's role and then he just be- became really more of a clown dancing and stumbling all over the place with uh <laughs> with todd pettengill on on the uh, the action zone or whatever anyways you know we all remember back to 2008, that whole incident with Michael Hayes or whatever you want to call him, Doc Hendricks, in a bar in Orlando, various things that were said uh, to to Mark Henry or or other individuals that were there. I, I don't know. I'm not going to recap this whole thing. And Basically, it just kind of came out that he's that Michael Hayes is, is kind of a jerk. Fine. Uh the, that's, you know, he didn't get, it doesn't seem like he got disciplined too much. Should have, I think. Um, he really should have gotten fired. This is a publicly traded company. This isn't the wrestling territory that he's used to in the South back in the 70s. I mean, give me a break. Anyways, that aside, uh, everybody had nice things to say. And Ricky Steamboat seems like he is the classiest dude on earth. He really does. He seems like he is just pure class through and through. I mean, you can tell just by watching him. He seems like he's a genuinely probably one of, if not the nicest, classiest, most stand-up guys in all of wrestling or just in general. He just seems like a good guy to me, having never met him and probably never will. He seems like a legitimately great guy. You know, one of the few you don't hear a lot. There's no scandals. There's no... uh, and who knows, we we think that about a lot of guys, that they are scandal-free and, and everything else, and then we find out otherwise. But if uh, if you told me that, that Ricky Steamboat never had any major issues in his life and made, made major problems, I would, uh, I would be inclined to believe it. And hey, prove me wrong. I don't know a lot about the guy. That's my whole point. He seems like a classy stand-up guy. I don't know anything about his past. I don't know anything about his personal life. I know he has a family. I know he has kids. Uh, that's about it. That's all I know. But he seems like a genuinely good, good guy, and uh, and it was it was nice to have Malenko and uh, Mike Rotunda and Jerry Lawler and Arn Anderson uh, say some nice things. And you get to to Doc Hendricks, who says, "Hey, I don't really uh, 
We've never really interacted too much. We've never really had a match together. So uh, I haven't been on TV in three or four years. So instead of uh, congratulating you on a great career, because I guess I have to have wrestled you in order to congratulate you on a great career, uh, how about this? I'm going to do some of my cool dance moves that these fans are just dying to see uh, because, you know, I was a huge, a huge, huge name in the 1970s or 80s or whatever it was in uh, in somewhere in Texas. So naturally, these millions of 12-year-old children want to see me moonwalk. So that's what he did. Everybody else, congratulations, Ricky Steamboat. You're great. We love you. Great career. Great DVD. You deserve it. You're the best. You're a Hall of Famer. You're a legend. Doc Hendricks, oh, hey, yeah, you're great. I never wrestled you. I'm going to moonwalk and dance now. Oh, and by the way, I'm not going to do a very good job of that either. So that was that was really pointless. Really pointless. But in the grand scheme of things, it was really, really pointless because although it was nice to give Ricky Steamboat uh, a nice moment on Raw and, and the kudos that he deserves and the DVD that he deserves, which I'm sure is a great DVD set, the main, main point was, of course, to get the Nexus to come out sans Wade Barrett and uh, lay a pretty serious beat down on the legends in the ring. Um, again, as I enjoy watching Vince McMahon get beat up, I also... There's something about watching Arn Anderson get beat up that I that I've also always enjoyed. I don't know why, but uh seeing him get pulled to the outside and uh have the living hell beat out of him and thrown into the ring post and uh, and everything else that was that that just made me laugh. What can I say? I'll admit it. I laughed when Arn Anderson got beat up. And uh, just like I laugh when Vince McMahon get, gets beat up. They take everybody out. Ricky Steamboat uh, is left standing in the ring. Nexus get up on the apron. Uh, the Steamboat gets laid out. Uh, yeah, Nexus get in the ring, surround him. Steamboat stands in the middle, goes after Sheffield. And I'm, I'm reading this directly again from 411 Mania from this Raw recap uh, instead of trying to remember it myself. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to embarrass myself any further. So... They outnumbered him. Otunga hits him with the verdict. Sheffield hits a clothesline. You suck, you suck. That's the chant. Gabriel goes on top. 450 splash on uh, Ricky Steamboat, and the Nexus stands tall as Ricky is laid out. I thought that was awesome. You know, you figured it had to happen eventually. They've already beaten up Cena numerous times. They beat up the owner of the company. They beat up the legendary Bret the Hitman Hart, drove him, smashed him around in the limousine. When is it going to happen that there's going to be a group of legends who get beat up by the Nexus? And even though you're going to be cheering for the legends and hoping that there's just a small chance that maybe these old grizzled guys can stand a chance against these young dudes uh, coming out here, these young hungry animals ready to take on the world, you know deep down inside that that's just not going to happen. And, of course, it did not happen. (laughs) The legends did not prevail. The Nexus, or is it just Nexus? Is it the Nexus? I'm sure it's probably just Nexus. Well, nevertheless, I don't work for the WWE or any wrestling company or anybody remotely related to a wrestling company. So if I want to say the Nexus, I will say the Nexus. And you can't stop me because it's my podcast. So there you go. All right. So that's the big deal of the night is these legends get just destroyed by Nexus or the Nexus. And we come back. They're carried out on a stretcher. Steamboat's getting carted away. 
Mike, Michael Cole is on commentary by himself, and luckily not for long because uh, the equally as exciting and interesting Josh Matthews joins the commentary team. Uh, Maurice and Alicia Fox. Who won that? Oh, Gail Kim and eat brutal scissors kick by Alicia Pin, and it's over. Fine. Alicia Fox and Maurice win. Nobody cares. The big eight-man tag. We get a recap of Nexus and all the beatdowns. Edge, Chris Jericho, United States Champion of the Miz, Million Dollar Champion Ted DiBiase versus R-Truth, John Morrison, Evan Bourne, and Randy Orton. That's the eight-man tag mega match. I love when they say mega match. They don't say that enough. I always have wanted them to say mega match, and they, they're just now, it seems like, going back to saying it. It's so, you know, it's so like Gorilla Monsoon. Gorilla Monsoon would say mega match. He would use those words, and that's why he was great. That's why he's the best. And uh, so we have ourselves an eight-man mega match, which was won by Randy Orton and his team with an RKO onto his former bro, Ted DiBiase, and it's over. Fun match. I thoroughly enjoyed it. A lot of good moves, a lot of good moments. Fun way to close out what I would say was a pretty decent Raw. Um, but, you know, it could have been better. They all could have been they all could have been better. Uh, you know, every Raw is not the best Raw, and they could have better Raws. Uh, so, who knows? But, uh, the, the, and, you know, the other big thing, of course, coming out of Raw is not only did Nexus beat up the Legends, which I thought was a good, a good segment, but there was no Wade Barrett. He is apparently having green card issues, much like Drew McIntyre. And who knows? Who knows when he'll be back? I hope soon because uh, let's be honest. Without Wade Barrett, you know, without Brian Danielson or Daniel Bryan or whatever, uh, the Nexus can survive because Wade Barrett is by far the most talented guy of that whole bunch. And I thought watching season one of NXT, not knowing anything about Daniel Bryan, I still thought Wade Barrett was by far the best, even when you include Daniel Bryan in that group. Wade Barrett. Uh, far and away was better than all of those guys so without Daniel Bryan okay really just have a bunch of goons beating guys up uh but luckily you have Wade Barrett the figurehead uh who can actually talk on the microphone and who's entertaining now without Wade Barrett Nexus is not quite as intimidating as they were before and when I say not quite I mean not at all so I guess you got to have them keep beating up legends and other guys until Wade Barrett and or Daniel Bryan come back and they desperately need one of those guys sooner rather than later. So hopefully Wade Barrett gets his uh, green card situation straightened out because he needs to come back yesterday. Uh, So that's what happened on Raw. Fun show. Good Raw. (sighs) NXT. Can I talk about NXT? Do you want to talk about NXT? Why are they having these keg-carrying contests? What is the point of that? Who does that Who does that benefit? You know, typically in a decision, especially when you're talking about a television show and a, and a wrestling company, I guess <laughs> if I could paraphrase office space, is this good for the company? Who does this benefit? When you're making decisions in life, you do so because it benefits you or it benefits your family, your wife, your children. When you run a company, you do something because it benefits the employees of the company or it benefits the clients or the customers or the viewers. 
what who is benefiting from the keg carrying contests outside of I guess maybe the local beverage store where they pick up the kegs from every time, every once in uh, a few months when they're going to have these stupid things on NXT. Outside of the beverage center down the road from the arena in which the keg carrying contest is taking place, who else benefits? How are the NXT rookies benefiting from carrying a keg like an idiot around the ring? How are they benefiting from that? Aside from the fact that, uh, let's see, uh, they could trip and fall and look like an idiot, like Titus O'Neil did, which was quite funny, but I felt bad for the guy <laughs> because he shouldn't be running around the ring with a keg in his hands. Uh, let's see. Oh, it could benefit somebody like, um, well, also Titus O'Neil or Husky Harris or any of the other guys who seem to bang their knee pretty nicely on a 100-plus pound keg. Uh, let's see. So damage to the knees, uh, maybe damage to your back. You could carry it the wrong way. Obviously, these guys are all pretty uh, well uh, put together physically, and it's probably not the worst thing in the world. It's probably not going to uh, have as uh, detrimental uh, an impact on their physical well-being as it would as, say, if I were carrying a keg around a ring, and it might very well kill me, if not uh, fold me in half or make me collapse uh, upon myself. Upon myself? On top of myself? Collapse on top of myself. Nevertheless, uh, so uh, the fans, do the fans enjoy it? I don't enjoy it. It's not fun to watch. It's funny to watch Titus O'Neil fall over, but that's, you know, that's the uh, the jerk in me that, that enjoys watching people fall over. <laughs> that's, you know, that's why websites like epicfail.com and America's Funniest Home Video, that's what those are for. So we can watch people getting uh, hit in the nuts with a football or uh, tripping and stumbling carrying a keg. Not why that's not why we watch wrestling to see somebody carrying a keg like an idiot and then fall over. So the who was it? Lucky. Uh, what's, what's the lucky guy's name? Lucky Cannon. So Lucky Cannon would, can do it in twelve seconds. The big tall guy can do it in thirteen seconds. Uh, okay, great. Congratulations. You're going to be uh, in the main event of uh, WrestleMania next year because you can carry a keg around the ring. It's moronic, is it not? Am I missing something about the keg carrying contests? Slamcast at yahoo.com is the email, and you can email me and let me know if I am desperately missing the whole point of the keg carrying contest because I clearly am, and I clearly don't know something about the uh, the absolute value of keg carrying contests. So, whatever. Um, what else? The only guy that... Uh, the only guy that really looked like a winner was Caval, who said, this is ridiculous. <laughs> I believe he said, I weigh as much as this keg, and therefore I'm not going to carry this keg. And, you know, good for him. Why would he? I'm checking the Slamcast inbox. There are zero emails. All right. Hopefully that will change. Email me at Slamcast slamcast at yahoo.com and tell me why you think if you think the keg carrying contest is worth having and why because i don't get it and like i said caval came up and said this is stupid i'm not carrying this keg whatever good for him i wish all of them did that because it is stupid and it is moronic and then michael cole had some snarky you know i bet the internet loved that well i don't know about the internet but i thought it was great because keg carrying thing is stupid and only somebody like Michael Cole would think that it's worth having. On that note, let me just say, too, 
during Daniel Bryan's tenure on NXT during the first season, I loved Michael Cole. Making fun of internet geeks and making fun of Daniel Bryan's fans, I thought it was great. That was that was some of, that was his best work. And I like the evil, snarky, jerky little weaselly Michael Cole a lot better than I like vintage Michael Cole and uh, and all the other crap that he's been doing for the last 13 years, polluting uh, the WWE's airwaves with his awfulness. And finally, he's uh, almost now well, he did not come close to redeeming himself, but at least he proved that he's got some value <laughs> as an announcer during NXT and uh, and being. Being, I guess, the uh, yeah, the snarky color commentator, the guy who hates the internet, who hates internet fans. I love it, but nevertheless, I did disagree with Michael Cole as far as oh, the internet must love this. Well, I don't know. Who cares what the internet loves? I love the fact that Caval would refuse refuse to take part in that stupidness. Stupidness. Anyways, so that's what happened on NXT, and uh, who did I just say? Titus O'Neil. Got eliminated. That's unfortunate. I think uh, Titus O'Neil had more to offer. Uh, he's he's a little eh, one dimensional, I guess, but he seems like a he seems like a good guy. And I don't know, maybe he would be awful, but he seems he seems okay in the ring. He's got the physicality. He's a former football guy and seems to have a good head on his shoulders. If nothing else, he would probably carry the company well as a uh, as a good role model and a good spokesperson and. Uh, and all of that, but hey, he's gone, and whatever. What does it matter? He'll be back in like September, doing something somewhere uh, on WWE, maybe on SmackDown. Who knows? Obviously, all the guys that were eliminated on season one that that really meant a lot, since they're all now working for the WWE and part of uh, the biggest angle in years. So, okay, uh, Titus O'Neil is eliminated. What does that mean? Probably nothing. But nevertheless, it's unfortunate that he had to be the first guy to go. There always has to be a first guy to go, and then this this time it was Titus O'Neil. I think obviously Lucky Cannon wouldn't have gotten eliminated anyways because he won the stupid dopey keg carrying contest and got immunity for this week. Um, I don't know how he wasn't the last ranked because he seems to have absolutely nothing going for him at all, even though his nickname is Lucky, and that is very lucky and very good that he survived that. Uh, I think a lead pipe cracked on his head and was in coma, vegetative state for months. Had to relearn how to walk and speak. And I mean, that's what a story. What a great story. And that is a great story. But as far as uh, that's as far as it goes to for me, you know, watching him on NXT does nothing for me at all. I think he should have been the first to go, and hopefully he will be the next to go. But yeah, it'll probably be uh, maybe Husky Harris or one of those guys. Uh, probably probably Lucky Cannon, Husky Harris, uh, the tall dude. Those will probably be the next guys to go. Who the hell else is there? Uh, you've got, uh, yeah, uh, Kurt Henning's son. He'll be around for a while. McGillicuddy. Who's that cocky guy? Alex Riley. A-Rye, which is a stupid nickname. He's great. He, to me, he's the best of the bunch. That's my opinion. I do like Caval. Um, don't know a lot about him, but uh, I think he's got a great voice, and he's obviously uh, he can go in the ring. And I think, uh, as far as on the microphone, obviously Alex Riley is the most talented of the bunch. Uh, Mike McGillicuddy reminds me; he's very much that uh, you know stand-up kind of alpha male-ish John Cena leader of the pack type of guy 
who could probably be very similar to Cena in a lot of ways and could, you know, the smiling and high fiving and you know, fans love him and, you know, good looking guy and <coughs> all American type of dude. On the same note, he seems like he's got maybe a chip on his shoulder as well. Uh, being the son of Mr. Perfect, that's some pretty big shoes to fill as far as the WWE is concerned. Um, so he might he might actually excel doing something similar to Mr. Perfect and being uh, a big cocky uh, jerk of a guy who can also back up everything that he says in the ring and outside of the ring, just like Mr. Perfect did. Uh, although there was one way in which Mr. Perfect was not perfect at all. Anyways... I think he, he uh, McGillicuddy will be there for a while. Alex Riley will be there for a while. He should win it as far as I'm concerned, Alex Riley. But uh, maybe Caval will win. He seems like he'll uh, play by the rules and do everything the right way, <coughs> I suppose. But I don't know. I, I guess to me, Alex Riley, to me, is the clear front runner, uh, much like Wade Barrett was on season one. I think Alex Riley uh, has a lot of a lot of those components and qualities that would make him a good choice for the winner of the season two NXT. But again, ultimately who cares? It doesn't matter. NXT is, uh, the, the whole concept and the whole story and the whole thing behind NXT. That's as, uh, that is as real as Daniel Bryan's firing is fake, Right. Well, because Daniel Bryan was actually fired. And if you're still believing that that's fake and, you know, you're probably also believing that the NXT is uh, is real. It's not. Neither of them are. Daniel Bryan is actually fired. Believe me. You know, this is a this isn't again, this isn't wrestling. This isn't some like Texas wrestling company in the 70s. That's in a, you know, a, a local market that like a couple thousand people are watching. This is a global business this is a publicly traded company and they've as somebody i think uh maybe it was stone cold steve austin or john cena or somebody said recently they tried really hard to get a pg rating that's not easy to do especially for when you have the track record that wwe has and we don't need to go into that track record with it's pretty you know it's it's easy to find anything from like 1996 through 2008 2009 as recently as like last year um, you know, just look up stuff from if you want to see when they they weren't PG. <laughs> Obviously, that's a that's a huge feat for WWE to go from what they were doing ten years ago to what they are doing now with a PG rating, with the wife of the owner of the company running for Senate and trying to position herself in the best light possible. Obviously, storyline or not, as big as they want the Nexus storyline to be, guy breaks the rules of the company, he's going to get fired. It doesn't matter if he's one of the top guys. It doesn't matter what's planned for him. He broke the rules. He's done. In 90 days, he will be back, and the, they can work in the whole limo driver, you know, I ran over Bret Hart. Uh, maybe Daniel Bryan is the mystery general manager, and that's how they can have him uh, continue to be a part of the show without actually being a part of the show and without actually referencing him or mentioning him by name. And then in a couple months, in September, October, he will be revealed as the general manager and you know, Wade Barrett will hopefully be back long before then. And then that's how they can make it look like it was a fake firing. But really, he is fired. He does not work for WWE. Believe me when I say that. And uh, a lot of people are thinking that uh, 
You know, it's funny how people, especially in wrestling, the wrestling fans, when something is actually really real and has actually happened, they're convinced that it's fake. This can't be real. This is fake. It's a work. It's a work. It's fake, you idiots. And then really, you know, the ultimate irony is that they are the idiots because they can't tell the difference between something that's real and something that's fake. On the same note, when something is clearly scripted and clearly fake <laughs> and a truth, they think it's all real. They think this is like real stuff. Oh, my God, that really happened. Oh, my God, Shawn Michaels was actually eliminated from the Royal Rumble. He wasn't supposed to be. Oh, my God, he's never going to face The Undertaker. That's real. When, in fact, Shawn Michaels is just really good at what he does and convincing people that the fake things that are happening are actually really happening to him. And that's that's the genius of Shawn Michaels and, and a lot of these other guys that are able to uh, convince everybody that this fake thing that's going on is not supposed to happen, that it's really, really real, and it's not. And obviously, Shawn Michaels was meant to get eliminated from the Royal Rumble. I think that much is clear at this point. So, And just like that, Daniel Bryan is really fired, and, uh, and he really will be back too. So that way, it'll seem like it was all part of the plan from the beginning. And that's, that's part of the genius of Vince McMahon and the, uh, and the people that he surrounds himself with. They can take something that really happened, an actual situation that may inconvenience them and their product and the stories that they're trying to tell. They can improvise. They can modify and make it look like this real thing that happened was actually supposed to happen and was planned to happen and is a part of the storyline. So that way when Daniel Bryan comes back and is revealed to be, like I said, the, f the limo driver that uh, smashed Brett the Hitman hard around and maybe he's the GM and maybe he's whatever – when that happens, people will say, ah, see, I told you so. I told you he was never gone to begin with, but really he was gone for like 90-some-odd days, and then they just rehired him, and, you know, we've all forgotten that he choked the ring announcer with his own necktie, which is just as as horrible and offensive a thing as I've ever seen watching wrestling. Yeah. So anyways, I have decided after careful consideration that I will not be talking about the Martha Hart lawsuit because I just don't feel like talking about it. What's to talk about? Uh, it's ill-timed. It's ill-advised as far as I'm concerned. Um, as tragic as that is, and having watched that pay-per-view live, <coughs> being a fan of Owen Hart as I was during the 90s and everything, terrible, terrible, uh, just awful, tragic, and it's still... Uh, it's still one of those things that's just, you can't believe it. But uh, the, the lawsuit's ill-timed, ill-advised. It's, you know, it's just too much of a coincidence, of course, that it's during Linda McMahon's big uh, campaign. So I, I'm not going to go into it any further than that. I think uh, Martha Hart should, should, uh, should not have pursued this course of action. And I think it's a... It's a disservice to the fans who want to see Owen get inducted into the Hall of Fame and who want to see, uh, you know, his matches. And then the younger fans who have no idea about him, uh, aside from catching clips on heart DVDs and YouTube and things like that. Eh, it's just, you know, it's really, it's a tragic uh, situation all the way around. But, yeah, it, not uh, not the best choice of timing for a lawsuit as far as I'm concerned. It seems, it seems a little... Ill-timed and a little obvious. Nevertheless, uh, what else to talk about? I don't think, I don't think there's. Jeez, uh, Louise! Aside from uh, nearly knocking the microphone over, 
There's Triple H to return at SummerSlam. New poster featuring Triple H. Where is he on this? Okay. In Demand issued a poster advertising next month's SummerSlam. And this is from 411mania.com slash wrestling, of which I am not affiliated in any way, shape, or form. I'm simply just, (laughs) this is the news site that I visit, and I'm taking news from this website. Uh, Okay. All right. So the poster has Triple H on it, SummerSlam. I mean, it also has The Undertaker on the poster, so I doubt that he'll be at SummerSlam, but you never know. Boy, a SummerSlam with a big return of Triple H that, uh, aside from uh, what seems like every year, that never happens. Well, whatever. He'll be back. And, oh, wait a minute. Here's another bit of news. Triple H and Undertaker both featured on the poster for SummerSlam. WWE is hoping to have Triple H versus Sheamus on the show, as well as Undertaker's return from his broken orbital bone. So, okay. So maybe they will both be at SummerSlam. Either way, I will not be watching until it comes out on DVD. Because it's not Royal Rumble, it's not WrestleMania, and it's not worth $45. Almost uh, no matter what. Because you can wait three or four weeks and watch the exact same thing for half the price or less. Okay. I'm looking at the time here, and I think this is probably a good spot to end this week's slam cast. I believe that I've gotten to most, if not all, of what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk a lot about WWE. I wanted to talk a lot about Raw and the Nexus and uh, and all of the events that have taken place in the last week or so on Raw. I believe that I covered everything that I wanted to. So, with that being said, just a few show updates. Uh, the first show was on June, whatever, 17th, 24th. I have no idea. I'm looking at the calendar. When was it? Well, whatever. <laughs> the first slam cast was, uh, this is a Saturday before last. I did not have a slam cast this past Saturday. I had originally thought about making it a weekly show, but I think more than anything because my schedule does not always allow me to do the same thing every week at the same time. It's definitely tough, especially with kids, job, the whole thing. A lot of you know that. I don't need to tell you, so I won't. And so what I'm thinking is I'm just going to do Slamcast whenever I get a chance to do it. Hopefully, my plan is that no more than maybe a week or a week and a half will go by between Slamcast episodes. It's less than two weeks since the first one. And show number two, it came about a week and a half later. Uh, this coming Saturday, or w- yeah, it would have been uh, yeah, two weeks ago. But I really feel like I want to keep doing this every week if possible. If I can do it every Saturday, great. If not, then just be patient and hang out. Wait uh, a couple days. Usually probably by the middle of the week there will be another show. But that being said, I'm hoping to have the third show probably uh, next weekend, uh, before next weekend. Don't know when exactly, but you know, on the same note, if uh, if t- you know two days from now is Saturday, and if I have time and I feel like sitting down and there's something uh, interesting or newsworthy or something on my mind, then I'll sit down and do another Slamcast. You know, it's my plan is uh, never never more than two weeks between shows, but there could be as few as two days between shows. 
It's just going to happen whenever I feel like doing it. Obviously, uh, this is not my full-time job. This isn't a paying gig by any means. This is just for my enjoyment and hopefully for yours. So the next Slamcast uh, will will be whenever it is, whenever it happens, whenever I feel like doing it, whenever I feel like recording it. And uh, hopefully you'll, you'll be cool with that because I know there are a lot of amateur podcasts uh, that are not done for profit or for money or anything, and they... Some of them go for years and years and years doing it every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Saturday, uh, and sticking to it every week. And that's nice for the fans and the listeners who look forward to that particular day of the week when they get to download the podcast. I can't promise you the same thing. I wish that I could, but I realized this past weekend that I definitely cannot. However, I can do my best to promise that uh, no more than two weeks will go by between shows and we'll try to keep as up to date and as on top of all the news, all the programming in WWE and TNA, and uh, and who knows what else. I, I'm, you know, maybe one of these days I'll get around to some Ring of Honor, uh, checking those guys out. But for now, it's WWE and TNA, and I haven't not said a word about TNA this week. I don't think I've even mentioned them, not deliberately. There are things to talk about. I haven't been paying as much attention to TNA because it really. Has been ter- this has just been an awful year for TNA, uh, aside from you know some a few glimmers of uh, of hope with Jay Lethal and the, the, the new Ric Flair faction and a few other things. Other than that, Abyss and Hulk Hogan. Who ca- who cares about any of that? Who cares about those guys? Sting and Jeff Jarrett. I feel like this was happening ten years ago in WCW, and I didn't care about it then, and I don't care about it now. Uh, so that's there we go. There's there's my. There's my breakdown of the last couple of weeks, or actually probably the last six months of TNA. It's just, I don't want to use this word, but it is abysmal. And I can say that because, uh, you know, this abysmal character seems to be uh, on top of everything and feuding with Hulk Hogan, and uh, that's of no interest to me whatsoever. So I'm really not going to talk about it until something fun and interesting and exciting happens, which means I'll probably mostly be talking about Jay Lethal, AJ Styles, Ric Flair, and uh, and anything uh, legitimately worth talking about, interesting, exciting, and entertaining in TNA. So this was a WWE-heavy show this week, and uh, who knows? It might be uh, the same next week. It might be a little of both, uh, somewhere in between. We'll find out. Folks, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing. Check out johnbhopkins.com. That's where you can get the podcast. You can subscribe through there. You can subscribe. We are officially on iTunes if you type in Slamcast. Like I said, there's an older uh, pay-per-view. There's an older podcast from 2005, it seems, called Sunday Night Slamcast. No relation whatsoever. And uh, hopefully I'll be allowed to keep using this name for a podcast because uh, I haven't heard it otherwise yet. So we are Slamcast. This is Slamcast. I will continue to be Slamcast until somebody tells me otherwise. Ladies and gentlemen, you can also email slamcast at yahoo.com. If you have any questions, comments, or anything that you want to say in regards to the show, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can email. You can go to the website, johnbhopkins.com. On Twitter, jbryanhopkins is where you can find me. That's my personal Twitter page. There's really not a lot about the show, but certainly uh, drop me a line. Say hi. Let's have a chat. And uh, those are, I guess, all the ways you can, the multitude of ways you can get in touch. So, with that being said, I'm done for this week. Hopefully, we will be back within the next 7 to 10 days. Keep checking on iTunes. Just subscribe. That way, it'll automatically download and update. And that's it. Until then, 
I'm not going to say have a slamming week because I said it last week or last time and it made me laugh, but it was stupid. I don't know that I'm going to have a catchphrase, but have a slamming week is not going to be it. If you want to email slamcast at yahoo.com and give me some advice for a good show close, then please do so. In the meantime, I'm just going to click stop and I will end this recording. Thank you for joining us. Have a great week. We will see you very, very soon. Good day, all. Good day, all. No, I'm not using that either. Goodbye. Now fascinate me, picture and animate me. Cause I'm rolling, keep holding. Click, clack it, crack a lack it. Full pack it, more stack it. Hanging the food when I teach. Welcome to the world of the plastic beach.